Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Talk of the SEC expanding to a nine-game conference schedule has been a conversation point for years, but change never took hold. But with Oklahoma and Texas having cleared the way to join the SEC in 2024, divisions are in their final days, and there's real momentum behind expanding to a nine-game conference schedule. Welcome back to SEC Football Unfiltered, our podcast from the USA Today Network. I'm Blake Topmeyer with you as always. John Adams is out this week on the mend. And so pleased to be joined by Christina Long. Christina is the Arkansas beat writer for the Southwest Times record in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Christina, thanks for uh, being on the pod today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Okay, so we're going to get into, I guess, a model I've mocked up for a a potential nine-game schedule, which will require every SEC team to have three rivals they would play annually and six teams that would alternate in, in flip-flopping years. So uh, they call it like a three, six model, three of these teams you play every year. And then that leaves 12 teams left over. You play six in one year, you play the other six, the next. And and the genius part of this model uh, that's garnered a lot of conversation within the conference and, and is really the leading model being discussed right now is that you play everybody at a minimum of once every two years, which is obviously a lot more frequently than teams see each other now that are in opposite divisions. But with divisions going away, that has allowed the SEC to kind of revisit this and see how they can get teams at each other's campuses uh, more frequently while also preserving uh, some rivalries to be played every year. So, Let's do this. We'll, we'll go through it kind of one by one. I'll offer my suggestions for the three rivals for each team, and and you can uh, belittle and besmirch my ideas as, as much as you like. Sounds great. All right, we'll start, uh, I guess, for alphabetical purposes. We'll, 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 we'll get into Alabama first. I, I think this is maybe one of the easier ones to assign them the rivals for. Uh, you know you have to have the Iron Bowl, right? Uh, Auburn right off the bat. In addition to Auburn, I have Tennessee and LSU with Alabama to preserve what I think are their their three biggest rivals going right now. Yeah, I mean, I think all three of those would be really good games. Those are ones people will circle on the calendars, even if they're not fans of those particular teams, um, especially recently with those teams being so successful. Auburn, you know, we'll see uh, what you freeze could do, but um no, I think those are interesting games. I think Alabama, you put Alabama against a lot of teams um, in this league and and it becomes kind of a marquee thing. So I think, you know, you could have put um, like an Ole Miss in there and it would have been interesting, you know, but I think these three games really work. I think preserving the Iron Bowl is going to be really important and they're really going to want to do that. Um, and then Tennessee and LSU, I think those are games, like I said, that would could be kind of marquee matchups in the next few years for sure. You know, in Alabama, they they sing Dixieland Delight there in the second half. And at one point in the song, they are creating their own lyrics. And they say uh, they want to, shall we say, beat uh, Auburn 
LSU and, and Tennessee too. Uh, they don't use the word beat, but uh, we're a family podcast here. So <laughs> we'll let the fans do the work for us, right? They, they say right in Dixieland Delight, they want to beat Auburn, uh, LSU, and Tennessee. So to me, this seems obvious. Um, obviously, Mississippi State is just like 90 miles from Tuscaloosa. So I think it, it could be one that's kind of left out of this mix. But you know, I think for Alabama's purposes in particular, to me, it's got to be Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU. All right, Arkansas. You ought to know this one well, right? <laughs> before, before we get into the rivals, I'm curious, what is the mood around Arkansas football right now? I mean, obviously, two years ago, you know, it was, it was heady days for the Hogs. Everybody was excited about Sam Pittman off the big season in, in 2021. I felt like maybe came up short of the potential last season, maybe short of, of some of the loftier expectations. I, I thought maybe Arkansas could be kind of a SEC West dark horse not sure they they totally played up to that. Uh, what what's sort of your your temperature around the program that you're you're reading? Yeah, it's a very weird time because, like you said, last season was kind of seen as an underperformance. Um, I think if they had lost that Liberty Bowl, it would have been a lot worse. Um, but I think you know that season there were so there were such high expectations, like you said, um, both among you know people outside of the program and fans. I think fans really thought that this was going to be a really strong year and then whether or not that was founded, you know, uh, but it just, it didn't, it fell short and, you know, KJ Jefferson was dealing with some injury. um, So he was out for a few games and they just, they lost some games they probably shouldn't have lost. And those were really disappointing. And people got really fed up with offensive coordinator, Kendall Bryles. He was kind of the the guy that took a lot of the blame for some of their problems. Um, And he has now gone to TCU um, and they've brought in Danny Nos. They're, they're running it back, him and Pittman. Um, Pittman brought his old ba- boss back and is now Enos's boss. So people are pretty excited, I think, about the Enos hire because I think when they look back at what he was able to do with that offense, um, people feel pretty good about it. I think there's sort of a question mark. I don't know if it was universally viewed as this is a great move, but I think people overall are pretty excited about it. Um, they brought in a lot of new staff members. They've got a new defensive coordinator as well. Um, Barry Odom went to UNLV to be the head coach. Um, so they've got a lot of turnover now after three years of retaining both of their coordinators. And this past season, that was something Pittman was really high on and kept highlighting, you know, we're one of the only teams in the country that's got their both their coordinators back for a third year. Um, and now they're both gone. So right. I think that could be a good thing, you know? Um, so it's an interesting, there seems to be some hope now that there's been some turnover, you know, there's an idea that, okay, now maybe, uh, maybe this time it'll be different. So we'll see how Kato Jefferson's back. So we'll see how next season goes. Yeah. It's interesting when, when a program loses a coordinator in the off season, that always gets so much attention. Um, I, I'm kind of of the belief that if you had the option of returning a coordinator or a really talented quarterback, I would always take the quarterback. I, I think sometimes we, we make a huge deal about these coordinator hires and, and we've seen in different players at places how instrumental coordinators can be. You know, Todd Monken, I think is a great example of, of really uh, taking George's offense to another level. But for me, I, I'd always rather have the quarterback. So I think, yeah, with a transition in Arkansas that you noted there at coordinators, I mean, who knows what that brings? Maybe it, maybe it increases their potential, but I love the fact that KJ Jefferson is, you know, kind of a, a proven veteran. You, you know what you're getting out of him and does seem to offer them, you know, a bit of a higher ceiling maybe for this upcoming season if he can stay healthy. I know that was one of the problems this past year. Yeah, I think having him back will be really important for bridging that gap. All right. So getting into the rivals here, here's the three I have assigned for Arkansas. 
continuation of, of the Missouri series that's that's been their interdivision rival since Missouri joined the conference. So Missouri off the bat. And then also I've paired with them Texas and Ole Miss. What do you think about this combination? I think Texas is perfect. Makes total sense. Everybody's going to want that. Um, you know, they played them uh, as a non-conference opponent, I believe, two, last year, two years ago. Um, two years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, that was a huge, huge game for them. Huge win. Um, anytime they play in any sport, they're about to play in baseball this weekend. They played in softball in the NCAA tournament last year. Anytime they play in any sport, it is a huge deal. Um People here preserve that old Southwest Conference rivalry for sure. Um, And there's so much crossover between, you know, people who um, live in Texas and live in Arkansas or, you know, alums kind of go back and forth. So there's lots of rivalry there. And I think people would be really excited about that. Um, Missouri. Now, I don't recall if they have to maintain and like if LSU has to maintain Texas A&M like contractually, is that something that they like have to keep those alive? It's all... It's all open. It's all open. Okay. They keep trying to make fetch happen with Missouri. They just, (laughs) they want the powers that be just want it to happen. And it just isn't happening really. You know, they've had some weird games and um, there's been kind of some intrigue there. That's been fun. Um, There was something, you know, when Barry Odom came to Arkansas after being fired at Missouri, there was that, you know, um, there was some trash talk in those early years, really trying to get it going. And it's just, Nobody gets excited about the Missouri game usually. Um, so as far as a rivalry goes, it could stay or go. You know, I don't think it kills the schedule, um, but I don't think people get really excited about it. But you've got to put somebody in there, you know. Um, and then Ole Miss, I think, can be really fun. Um, you know, they've just got a lot of history. Um, I, I like that one. The only one that I miss uh, is LSU. That was their old, used to be their, you know, um, Last week, you know, rivalry week matchup with LSU for the longest time. They've got the Golden Boot Trophy. Um, and then when Missouri and AM joined the SEC, they had to switch those rivals, rivalries up. Um, so I think LSU would be a really fun one. But then you look at, you know, your list for LSU, which we'll get to shortly. And then it's like, so who do you swap out and how does that affect everybody else? So um, it's really hard to make all these puzzle pieces fit. But LSU and Arkansas is the one I would miss the most. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting with, with LSU because like, I feel like LSU may have more quote unquote rivals than any team in the conference. Like (laughs) I I felt like I was leaving out three rivals when I made LSU's assignments and yet the three I put them with, I'm like, well, I got to keep these going too. So yeah, LSU is going to, going to lose some rivals one way or the other. It's interesting. Um, and I think you're, you've got the pulse of the fan base there when you say like Texas is the one Arkansas fans probably want the the most i mean i think people outside arkansas may say like yeah keep the missouri series going or um you know Ole miss is is um you know a series that's that's been kind of spicy in, in recent years as a blowout this past year but they've had some good games before that but yeah i think you know within the state as you put it i mean arkansas fans really especially of a certain age right that remember the southwest conference they are looking looking forward to having texas on on the schedule more frequently. Absolutely. It's a fun matchup. All right, Auburn. So we've 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 obviously kept the Iron Bowl. Um I, I think the the second one has to be Georgia, the Deep South's oldest uh rivalry. Auburn's one of those teams that like the the preservation of three rivals every year I think is important because 
if you go to just a, a one rival system, they're going to play Alabama and you would, you would lose Georgia. This three rival system allows you to keep both the iron bowl uh, and Auburn, Georgia going the third one. I admit this is uh, this is not really a rivalry, but I wanted to balance the scales a little bit for Auburn. If they got to play Alabama and Georgia every year, I feel like I have to keep competitive balance in mind. So I've given them Vanderbilt as their third rival. Yeah, I feel like putting Vanderbilt against any West team is a little bit like womp womp. You know, <laughs> like there's just not a lot there. Um, but I think the immediate, you know, dream team kind of things for Auburn would be like, I think a matchup with Ole Miss would be really fun. Um, you know, I think you've left off LSU too, but it's, again, it's like how, so then how does that affect those teams and the rest of their schedule? And who do you, you know, there's such a, a ripple effect when you slot in anybody different. But I think, like you said, maintaining Georgia there is going to be really important. I can't see them not doing that. And same thing with the Iron Bowl. You know, they're not getting rid of the Iron Bowl. So I think, Vanderbilt, you you kind of have to do it. And then, yeah, it totally makes sense, that kind of competitive balance. You know, they've got two perennially difficult teams, um, and then they kind of need something that they can, in most years, uh, roll over. As is interesting, I, I knew I would get, I published a column, get a bunch of fan feedback. The first email I got was from an Auburn fan who thought, who said, how did I leave Auburn, Florida off off the mix? And, and that was a good one to point out. So when Steve Spurrier was coaching at, at Florida, he considered Auburn to be uh, Florida's second biggest SEC rival behind Georgia. It's interesting. Auburn is actually the, the closest SEC school in, persim- in proximity to Gainesville. And most people, I think, think it's Georgia, but it's, but it's Auburn. And um, you know, the Florida panhandle is such a, a melting pot of, of fans, a lot of Auburn and Florida fans in that area. So that was that was one I put on the chopping block there. Uh, but I just felt like with Auburn playing Alabama and Georgia, had to balance the scales somehow. It just felt wrong to give them Florida as well. So gave them Vanderbilt. All right. We, we mentioned we teased LSU. So, again, I, I, I feel like LSU has so many rivals. You can go in a variety of ways here. But the, the three I went with. Alabama, Texas A&M, and Ole Miss. Ole Miss is kind of a nod to uh, to the older fans, the Magnolia Bowl there, Billy Cannon's Halloween run. I mean, that's if you're a fan of a certain age, I think you feel like you, you have to have LSU Ole Miss. I think other fans you know, might say, why is Ole Miss there and not Florida and not Arkansas? You know, so many directions you, you could go with with LSU. But I went A&M, Alabama, and Ole Miss. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a pretty good lineup. Like we talked about with Arkansas and Missouri, that LSU-Texas A&M, I think is probably a little bit more interesting because A&M as a program is more interesting than Missouri. Um, But I think, you know, these matchups would all be ones that people would be excited about because, like you said, you know, people love to hate LSU, and I think LSU kind of likes to play that role sometimes. Um, And, you know, that's kind of speaking generally. Uh, I'm sure there's people that differ, but I think – Having LSU Alabama will be really key, um, and I like the LSU Ole Miss matchup. I think that can those can that can produce some really fun games, and I think that, like you said, you could slot all these different teams in. But the other thing about this rotating schedule is LSU is going to get to face a lot of those other teams pretty frequently anyway, and that can you know their their schedule with this lineup would be really interesting every year anyway. I think it's interesting. I've seen other models out there that have sacrificed the LSU Alabama rivalry. And and for me, that's, that's non-negotiable. I mean, I think the last 20 years, 20 years plus really, I mean, that's been a great series. It's been one of the most important games on the college football schedule every year. So many times 
you know, both teams appearing in the top 10 in the polls. Um, you know, obviously the, the rivalry has been tilted toward Alabama in recent years, but, but LSU's had its moments. I, I, for me, that, that rivalry, you know, is important to preserve just as, as a huge game on, on the schedule. And if you're a television executive, I got to imagine you want LSU and Alabama playing every year. Yeah. That's one that people are turning on just as college football fans, even if they're not Alabama or LSU fans for sure. All right. So we'll go back to back here with, with Ole Miss and, and Mississippi state. Um, they're, they're obviously linked in, in the egg bowl. And so that's, they have each other as a rival right off the bat. Um, my other two rivals I have for Ole Miss is the aforementioned LSU, and I also have Arkansas. So I've kind of spoiled the surprise there. So for Ole Miss, the lineup, Mississippi State, LSU, Arkansas. The three annual rivals I have for Mississippi State are Ole Miss, Kentucky, which is their interdivision rival right now, and Texas A&M. I feel like Mississippi State's lineup is a little bit lacking. I also feel like Mississippi State, lacks great rivals behind Ole Miss. I think you look to Alabama due to proximity, but that's been a terribly lopsided series since Nick Saban's been there. Yeah, I mean, I really don't know who else you put in for that. Um, I had forgotten the Mississippi State and Kentucky are matchup uh, cross-divisionally, so I think that would be a really interesting one. Um, I don't know. It's Mississippi State's hard because, yeah, they don't really have a lot of true rivals besides Ole Miss, and you have to, you know, have to maintain the egg ball. That's not going anywhere. Um, I like your lineup for Ole Miss, like we talked about with LSU um, and the Arkansas matchup, um, and then Texas A&M, Mississippi State is fine. You know, I don't really feel any type of way about it. And I don't think they really feel any type of way about each other. Um, but like we said, I think that's kind of the case for a lot of Mississippi state and a lot of teams, you know, and at a certain point, some of these rivalries are going to be a little bit manufactured, but over time, you know, they could develop a little bit. It's interesting with Mississippi state and, and Kentucky, you know, some of those interdivision um, pairs that they made when, when the sec went to divisions, I felt like they were forced rivalries that that never took off. Other others, you know, on paper they don't always make the most sense, but in but in practice they've been pretty good. If if you look at the Mississippi State Kentucky series, it's 25 wins in each direction. They've, they've met 50 times, it's 25 25 and, and even if you look in recent years, it it flip-flops back and forth the the home team has been winning in that series. So that's a that's a rivalry that like, you know, for long-term history's sake, it doesn't feel like it's necessary to preserve and um, you know, from geography, I don't know if it's necessary to preserve, but like from competitive balance, like it's actually been a pretty good series since the sec, um, you know, paired them up years ago. Yeah. And it could produce some good games if it's usually that close, which is at this point, kind of what you want. If you can't get a rivalry that people get really excited about, get something that's going to produce an entertaining game. Sure. All right. Texas A&M. We've, we've spoiled a, a few of them here. Um, LSU and, and Mississippi state. We've mentioned those two, the third rival for Texas A&M, I think has to be Texas. Um, you know, with, with previous rounds of conference realignment, we know why these things happen. Money, money drives the bus in particular football revenue, um, media rights deals that, that drives the bus of realignment. But one of the things we've lost in past rounds of realignment are some of some great rivalries. And, and I think we saw that in particular with schools that left the Big 12 at the expense of some of their top rivals. And, and I think Texas A&M is an example of that. Texas versus Texas A&M on or around Thanksgiving used to be one of my favorite games on the calendar every year. Uh, I mean, I just thought, um, you know, even in some years where, you know, there were some years where Texas A&M 
at that point was not functioning, I, th- I think, at its full potential. But but it was still a, a great series, a great game, um, good Thanksgiving tradition. I, I think Texas A&M was initially a little bit bitter about Texas coming into the SEC, but I think that's started to become water under the bridge, and I think everybody's getting behind this idea of Texas and Texas A&M have to play again. So that's 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 my three rivals for the Aggies uh, would be the Longhorns, LSU, and Mississippi State. Yeah, I think that's a really good lineup. I think anytime you've got the opportunity for an in-state rivalry, you have to do it. You know, you can't pass that up, especially with programs like this that have such a big reach and and such a strong fan base. I think matching those two up just makes total sense. And then LSU and Mississippi State, I think, are perfectly fine matchups for AM as well. All right, so I've gone through the the SEC West programs here. Let's let's get into the two newcomers and then uh and then we'll we'll finish up with with the SEC East. Of course, the the news uh, last week that Oklahoma and Texas have have finalized their divorce plans with the Big Twelve and settled on a on a price and, and foregone distribution revenue. And so they've sped up their their entry into the SEC by one year. They will now begin SEC play in 2024. And that's of course why we're talking about this reconfigured SEC schedule to a nine-game slate that may take place uh, as soon as 2024 uh, when the SEC has to reconfigure its alignment with the expansion to 16 teams. So I mentioned Texas as being paired with with Texas A&M, mentioned them being paired with Arkansas as well, and the other obvious one is you have to keep Texas, uh, Oklahoma going. The, The Red River shootout or whatever we're calling it these days since we can't call it the Red River shootout, but uh, uh, they don't sponsor. Whoever's sponsoring that rivalry is not sponsoring this podcast. So uh, I'm still calling it the Red River Shootout. I think it's Red River Rivalry or something these days. Um, Got to keep that going with Oklahoma, Texas A&M, Arkansas as well. I feel like Texas is one of the easiest to assign the rivals for. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a perfect lineup. I I think deviating from this would be tough. Um, but yeah, I mean, you've got got to keep Red River. Um, Red River Rivalry is too much of a tongue twister. They should not have done that to us. Um, but I think AM, like we talked about, is perfect. And then Arkansas, as we talked about, all that history um, and some recent history too, makes that great. Um, I the first head scratcher on the list is in your for me is in your Oklahoma list. I I am curious to hear your reasoning for one of these. All right. Well, let's get to it. We've mentioned Oklahoma, Texas. Uh, Oklahoma, Missouri is, is the second one. I think, you know, Missouri, and, and you obviously know this well as, as a Missouri alumna, right? Um, I mean, Missouri sacrificed a lot of rivals whenever it left the big 12 in, in favor of the sec. Uh, I, Oklahoma wasn't its top rivalry, but that, but that's a series that dates back to the, the big eight. I think that's, um, you know, it's gotta be a little exciting for Missouri fans. It's a lopsided series, but it's a familiar, familiar face. So I think that's an obvious one. One of the great trophies I feel like we're missing from college football is the peace pipe that apparently used to be awarded to the winner of this series that predates both of us. It was last seen, according to reports, in in the 70s, but apparently the peace pipe was awarded to the winner of Oklahoma, Missouri, so maybe they can scrounge that up. The third one that you were hinting at there for Oklahoma, in addition to Texas and Missouri, I have Oklahoma paired with Florida, which would be a great jersey game, the, the red and white of Oklahoma and the crimson and white of Oklahoma against the orange and blue of Florida. But proximity wise, I think these schools are like 1200 miles apart, but this is one of the concessions I made to try to snap the final pieces of the puzzle into place. 
Yeah, I was going to say, it's it's interesting. I was trying to rack my brain of like, is there some Oklahoma, Florida history that I'm forgetting about? Like, is, was there some crazy game that we want to renew? You know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, but I mean, yeah, there are two programs that I think obviously are, are on the upper tier of college football, I would say. Maybe, you know, not Alabama, Georgia level, but, you know, up there, big helmet uh, matchup, like you said. Um, and I think they're big brand names, which always makes it interesting. But yeah, proximity wise, it's not great, but um, it's hard with Oklahoma because who else can you slot in there? I really like the matchup with Missouri um, for getting that Big 12 band back together. Um, I mean, I guess proximity wise, you could stick Arkansas or Texas A&M in there, but I like the slates you've got for both of those teams already, you know, so I think Oklahoma's got some options for that third one, but it just depends on how the rest of the league shakes out because Florida, I don't hate it, but I was curious if there was something I was missing uh, <laughs> that you that made you do that. No, there's nothing you're missing. I mean, they, <laughs> they did meet in that uh, 2009 BCS National Championship game, but I don't. That, that's not why I put them together. That was that was just coincidence there. They really have limited, very very, very little history other than meeting in the national championship. I did I, I did have a couple models lurking around here on scraps of paper that had Oklahoma and Texas A&M as, as the final matchup there. Um, I, I, kind, I mean, I like that better than Oklahoma, Florida. I, I went in this direction because it allowed some, some matchups um, in other areas that I preferred. But yeah, I, I, I think this is one... You know, just in, in talking to some folks, I think this is one that actually might become a reality. I think as they try to pair the competitive balance, I think there is some a little bit of momentum behind Oklahoma, Florida, but there's no there's no way really to explain it other than prov- providing some competitive balance and and snapping the final final puzzle pieces into place. Yeah. What would be really lame is if they try to give it some kind of battle line rivalry name and make it a thing, you know, manufacture a new trophy and make it a whole, like, we don't have to do all that. They can display each other. That's so true. And I know we'll get to Missouri in a bit, but I mentioned to someone recently, the mayor's cup, isn't that between Missouri and South Carolina? And the person I was talking to who covers SEC football and has covered SEC football for many years, had no idea what I was talking about when I mentioned the mayor's cup. Yeah, I forget about it every year, and then whenever they occasionally will play, they'll talk about it, and I'm like, the what? (laughs) Right. Yeah, I guess it felt like they had to do something there with Columbia versus Columbia, but I don't know. Some of these trophies, just bring back the peace pipe and and get rid of all these other trophies that we don't don't really need. It's a Uh, big 10-sounding trophy. (laughs) It it is, yes. All right, we mentioned Florida, so we'll continue on with them. Obviously, the cocktail party... um, is one that has to continue with, with Georgia, whether they keep playing that game in Jacksonville or move it to campus sites. We know Kirby smart has been kind of pushing for years to get that toward campus sites, but it maintains in, in Jacksonville. I think that's, that's fine. As far as neutral sites go. Um, I think that works for, for that series. So you have Georgia. I've already mentioned Oklahoma. Can't really explain it. And the last one I'm going with Kentucky. And I, I feel like I've slided. Florida here because Georgia's obvious. You got to keep that going. They play Florida State every year in their non-conference and will almost certainly continue to do so even if the SEC schedule expands. But I've sacrificed some rivals here for Florida. I think you could go with Auburn. I think Florida fans would like to see that. I think Florida fans wouldn't mind seeing LSU stay on the schedule. And I think Florida fans that, uh, especially those that, that really came into their fandom in the 90s, would say, hey, what's wrong with keeping Tennessee on the schedule? 
I really feel like if there's any team that I, I kind of worked over in these assignments, um, it probably was Florida because beyond Georgia, I, I didn't give that much heat there with, with Kentucky and Oklahoma. Kentucky's picked up a little steam in recent years, but before that, Florida really dominated that series. So I can't defend it, but I've got Georgia, Kentucky, and Oklahoma. Yeah, I don't know if Florida fans are getting super hype about either of those other two besides Georgia. Um, but I think when you also look at the competitive balance of this, I mean, you got to give them something and that's not Georgia or Oklahoma. I think Kentucky, like you said, they've been improving a lot. I think there's a lot of excitement there and Kentucky's on the rise. Um, but so it's not necessarily, you know, a total cupcake game, but like you said, it's been lopsided. Um, and I don't think this is one that either fan base is probably getting super excited for or, or marking on their calendars for sure. But you know, I think LSU would be a really good one for Florida, but LSU slate that you've got for them is is pretty stacked already. You know, where do you fit that in? So that just kind of has to be one that's more occasional, which some of these rivalries, I think, you know, are can survive being an occasional thing. You know, then it can almost generate a little bit more excitement when on the off years that you get it, you know, it's more exciting. You're like, oh, it's back. You know, we get to do this this year. Um, so I think that can be good. But yeah, I, I can see where Florida might have gotten the short end of the stick here just with two teams that nobody's probably super excited about them facing. Yeah, and, and one thing I love about this this 3-6 schedule model that is the the leading contender if, if the SEC does go to a nine-game schedule, it's it's this 3-6 model we're discussing. One of the things I love about it is, is kind of what you are just mentioning there. Like, even if... Tennessee, Florida, and LSU, Florida, and Auburn, Florida, even if they're not on the schedule as, as a permanent rivalry fixture, you're still going to play them once every two years. So if for an athlete's sake, if, if they spend four years at a school, you would play a home and home throughout the course of, of your career at a school. You would, you know, as a fan, you're seeing that opponent opponent once every two years and, and once every four years, they're coming into your stadium. And so you know, I, I do hate that we will lose some second-tier rivalries from the annual docket. As best we try to match this up, there are going to be a few rivalries that are played annually now that are that are going to drop off the annual schedule. Um, but then there's going to be other series that they don't meet very often and, and are going to meet much more frequently, such as Florida-Auburn. You know, since the SEC expanded to 14 teams, those teams have met very infrequently. Um, since that point. And so I think even if Auburn and Florida aren't meeting annually, it's at least an improvement to get them back to playing every other year. I, I think that's a step in the right direction. Yeah, it's I think the scheduling model lends itself to really well to getting some of those when you have to ax some from being annual. I think it still does a good job with that. All right. So we mentioned Georgia, the the other side of the, the cocktail party as, as playing Florida every year. So that's that's a given. I feel like the number two rival for, for Georgia is, is pretty clear. I think it has to be uh, Auburn. And then the number three rival, I, I think you could go in, in a couple different directions, but I've paired them with South Carolina. South Carolina is a team that's, you know, they've been in the SEC now for, for three decades. I don't feel like South Carolina has a lot of natural rivals in the conference, even after all this time. I mean, their biggest rival is, is a non-conference rival in Clemson. As far as conference rivals go, I think Georgia is, is the best thing for South Carolina. They've had some some good games in, in recent history. Uh, I know Georgia is, is really pacing the way in college football right now. But, you know, as you look at this thing in, in the totality of South Carolina's time in the SEC, it's been a good rivalry. So I think for South Carolina's sake especially, 
that needs to be Georgia's third opponent to, to go with Florida and Auburn. Yeah, I don't hate that. Um, I think Georgia, South Carolina proximity wise makes sense. Um, I think, like you said, you've got to keep Florida and Auburn in there. Those are givens. Um, and I think South Carolina, you know, you don't want to give Georgia three as, as great as Georgia is, you don't want to give them three really, really difficult opponents. I think it's a similar kind of competitive balance idea. Um, South Carolina has obviously been coming on pretty strong recently. Um, so I think this is a pretty good matchup. I think the only one maybe that you could think about is, you know, Tennessee, maybe um, I'm trying to think of some of those other big East matchups. Um, but I mean, Tennessee, then you've got Florida, Auburn, Tennessee is a really loaded slate for Georgia, which they can handle. But then, you know, when you look around the rest of the league, it's in the spirit of fairness, you know, maybe. Um, so I think South Carolina makes sense. Yeah, I, I feel like Alabama fans are saying, well, what about us? We got Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU. Isn't that too loaded? Well, uh, I don't know. Alabama fans, Alabama usually never backs down from a fight. And I, I just felt those three rivalries were, were too strong to let any of them go. But yeah, I mean, if you look at, at really the, the South Carolina-Georgia series, it's been a pretty good one for like the last 15 years. It's, it's interesting. I heard from a, a Florida fan recently that said Georgia's rivals need to be Alabama, Oklahoma, and Tennessee. I think he's just trying to make the toughest path possible for Georgia to, to make the uh, the college football playoff. Don't see that combo happening. All right, Kentucky. I've mentioned I got them paired with Florida. Uh, I also have Kentucky with Vanderbilt. I, I think that's you know border rivalry there um, and, and two of the traditionally weaker teams in, in the conference. Kentucky's been better since Mark Stoops has been there. Uh, but I think you need to keep Kentucky-Vanderbilt going. I did sacrifice Kentucky-Tennessee. That's uh, that's been the longest rivalry in terms of matchups for either of those teams. Uh, Tennessee and Kentucky met 118 times. It's actually one more time than Tennessee has played Vanderbilt, and Tennessee is also Kentucky's uh, longest running rival as well in terms of matchups. So I put that one on the chopping block. Um, I, I would be okay with with arguments to maintain that, um, but yeah, I, w- I went with Florida. Vanderbilt and Mississippi State. I, I think there's a few different directions you could go with Kentucky uh, once you get past Vanderbilt. Yeah, I really miss Kentucky, Tennessee here. I think I kept, you know, I was looking through the list. I was like, okay, Florida, okay, Vanderbilt, and I'm waiting for Tennessee, and it doesn't count, you know. I think, and I think that's one that when I think about what the league might actually do, I think that's one that they might want to keep alive, um, especially with Kentucky doing a lot better over the last few years. Um, I think that's one that I could see them maybe maintaining. Um, but then, you know, I know we haven't talked about Tennessee yet. You look into who you're going to ask from your list for Tennessee and I see a candidate there, but then you've got to look at that candidate and see what else you're going to shuffle around. So it goes back to just how moving one thing changes everything else. Um, but I really think Kentucky, Tennessee is one that's worth preserving um, if it's at all possible. Yeah, a couple things I, I thought about when I when I put Kentucky Tennessee on the chopping block. Kentucky's beat Tennessee just three times since 1985, and so I know Kentucky fans are like, "We got to keep Tennessee on the schedule." But I thought, well, maybe beat him more than three times since 1985, that's, and that's true. Consider. That's fair. And, and the other thing I thought is, bring back the beer barrel, one of the greatest trophies in in college football. And, and and we'll talk now. The beer barrel went away for for a reason, a, a very good reason. At the time, after an, an alcohol-related uh, car accident led led to some fatalities, um, and and took the beer barrel away. Uh, many many years have passed since then. 
you can buy beer in Neyland Stadium and and drink 25 ounce glass of beer from from your seat in the stands. There's there's a closer marriage now between beer and the SEC. It seems uh, hypocritical um, that the beer barrel trophy cannot be presented to the winner of that game. I mean, just call it the the battle for the barrel. You can drop beer from from the name and just have battle for the barrel. At the end of the day, it's a wooden barrel, um, but I thought it was a fantastic trophy. Uh, so yeah, you, you, if we want to keep Tennessee, Kentucky, I'll, I'll hear those arguments. Just bring the uh, beer barrel back out of the closet that uh, Tennessee keeps it in. <laughs> they can get it sponsored or something. They love to slap a sponsor on these things. That's true. All right, we'll get into Missouri now, and I know you're you're not thrilled about the Arkansas or lukewarm, I should say, about uh, Arkansas, M- Missouri. Uh, I've also mentioned I have Oklahoma with Missouri, that old Big 12, Big 8 matchup. And I've paired South Carolina with Missouri. As mentioned, I don't really know where you have to go with South Carolina past Georgia. I think Georgia and South Carolina need to be paired. Beyond that, I think it's like six six lukewarm candidates for for South Carolina. Um, So I went Arkansas, Oklahoma, and South Carolina for Missouri. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I think... Missouri, it's a similar kind of lukewarm thing where Arkansas is probably the hottest they've got just because of the recent years. And I think Oklahoma, as we discussed, is a really good um, old Big 12 matchup that I think would be good to maintain. And then you look at who's left and, you know, who does Missouri want? Like, who are they clamoring for as far as these games? And I don't think they're exactly clamoring for South Carolina, but I think it's a pretty good matchup. You know, we talked about the manufactured Mayor's Cup uh, rivalry, but you know, they've thrown a name on it and that's fine. That does something sometimes. I think um, it's hard with a lot of these teams to see who you might want to throw in there, especially, you know, from the East. Like, are you going to put Tennessee in there? I don't know. I mean, everybody, Tennessee has a target on their back right now. So that could be an exciting one for most teams that are playing them, but it's also pretty tough. And I don't think, you know, Missouri's getting particularly excited about you know, a hatred for Tennessee or anything. So I think it's a similar, both Missouri and South Carolina are in a tough spot where some of their bigger rivals are no longer in their conference. And so what are you going to do about trying to manufacture some of that uh, enmity a little bit? Yeah. You award the mayor's cup to the, to the winner <laughs> of the series, I, I guess, you know, as, as, as someone who attended Missouri, can you say, I, I, I thought about Kentucky for one of Missouri's rivals. Would, do Missouri fans, you think they get up more for a game against Kentucky in football or South Carolina. It's got to be one of the two. Do either one of those have any semblance of heat? That is very tough because there is, it is moving the needle barely in either case. Um, And that was another, that was a strange thing about going to Missouri was that, you know, people would say that Kansas is their biggest rival, but for younger and current students, they've never had, they've never gone to a Mizzou KU game. You know, that's not a thing for them unless they grew up in a Mizzou or KU family. So um, I think, maybe Kentucky for proximity's sake, but it's weird for both because it's not like, you know, a lot of people from Kentucky or South Carolina are coming to Missouri or vice versa. You know, there's not a lot of inroads there. So my gut says maybe Kentucky. (laughs) (laughs) Without much conviction. Fair enough. Yes, exactly. (laughs) All right. We'll round up out South Carolina's list and mention Georgia and Missouri as rivals for South Carolina. The third that I have is Tennessee. Now, I made way for this by dropping Kentucky off Tennessee's set of, of rivals, which we'll get to in a moment. A moment. Um, I actually think 
South Carolina and Tennessee's gaining some steam. If you look at, you know, the past 15, 20 years, it's been a pretty competitive series and it's starting to get a little chippy too. I mean, there, there's a lot of fan bases that, that love to hate on Tennessee. Tennessee fans um, can really rile up uh, a lot of folks out there, but it seems like South Carolina in particular and Tennessee fans have been going back and forth quite a bit lately. I think Shane Beamer's arrival as uh, someone who's, He's got South Carolina headed in, in a better direction. He also has a tendency to get under the skin, I think, of some opposing fans a little bit. And and also this series has been really competitive in like the last 15 years, not just in terms of like the record, but in terms of the games. I, South Carolina put it on Tennessee this past year, but many, many times in the past 15 years, these these games are decided by uh, by just one possession. So I know it's a little unconventional for Tennessee's sake to, to swap Kentucky in favor of South Carolina but I think it helps South Carolina's overall lineup. And I do think from competitive balance, it's, it's a pretty good series. So Georgia, Missouri, and Tennessee for South Carolina. Yeah, my biggest concern here is just playing Georgia and Tennessee every year is a tall order for South Carolina. And I think, you know, you mentioned Shane Beamer. I don't think he would ever back down from that challenge. Um, but, you know, it's just that is a tough slate to have every year. And I think even Missouri, you know, Missouri can be hit and miss, but I think I – think of Missouri and South Carolina as being on a similar level. You know, they can play spoiler. Um, I think South Carolina's probably had higher highs than Missouri has in recent history. Um, but I think, you know, I consider them on a similar plane. And so they can, like I said, they can play spoiler. Um, but sometimes they're going to be a little bit of a pushover. You know, they've had some down years recently. And, and I think matching South Carolina up with those two really top teams in the league is tough um it's tough for them and I think some people might feel a little bit like they're getting jobbed but um also like you said I mean I think if if there's heat behind that rivalry then I don't think people are going to be complaining about um South Carolina Tennessee so and it kind of depends which Tennessee are we getting right like if, if right. this is the Tennessee of the Butch Jones and the Derek Dooley era I think South Carolina is saying bring them on we'll take yeah. them every we'll take them every year we'll take them on the schedule twice per year if yeah. if this is is not fool's gold for Tennessee and and last season's trip to the Orange Bowl was the real deal then uh, then they're a tougher out and and of course you know South Carolina can also say hey as good as Tennessee was last year who is who is one of the teams to beat them South Carolina was uh, and that's always been it's just a tricky matchup um for, for Tennessee, especially when they when they go on the road there. Kind of an underrated, I, I think, venue in the SEC um, when you get the sandstorm playing and the white towels going, particularly at night games. Uh, Tennessee's, Tennessee's had some some problems there o- over the years. Uh, so, so Tennessee, we, we'll, we'll round this out here. Uh, we've kind of spoiled the surprise for the last couple. Uh, we'll just go through them at the same time here. Tennessee, I've, I've assigned uh, Alabama, Vanderbilt, and South Carolina. I mentioned, I think, the others there that you know, I considered but didn't make the cut were Kentucky and Florida. Uh, so Vanderbilt, Alabama, South Carolina for Tennessee. And for Vanderbilt, I have Tennessee, Kentucky, and Auburn. Auburn was sort of the throw-in, the gift to the Tigers, I guess you will, if you will, for uh, for my assignments of, of Alabama and Georgia. Yeah, I think, like I said before, you've got to maintain any in-state opportunities you can. So I think Tennessee Vanderbilt makes total sense. I don't see them getting rid of that anytime soon. Um, I like this for Tennessee. I think, like we talked about, playing Alabama um, is going to be a really fun one, uh, if that were to be the case. And then South Carolina, like we just said, uh, has picked up some steam. And and then, yeah, like you were saying, if it's the Tennessee that's on its current hot streak, that's a tough one for South Carolina. But 
I do think, yeah, recency bias can shape this a lot uh, when you think about these these teams and programs that are in up years versus down years and just the way that the trajectories of these things can change over time. You know, what do these look like in 10 years? You know, who's to say what these matchups look like? So um, with Vanderbilt, I think this is a good slate. We talked about Vanderbilt Auburn a little bit and how that's a little bit of a question mark, but I think that's going to be the case for Vanderbilt with a lot of West teams. Um, and Kentucky, I feel good about that similar kind of border thing that we that we discussed earlier. I think it's the same sort of thing that makes me want Tennessee, Kentucky to be to stay alive, but um, Kentucky's, you know, a little bit stronger than Vanderbilt. Uh, so I think I think these make sense. I don't have any. The only thing is I really want Tennessee, Kentucky to stay in there, but um, I don't have any huge objections here. All right, so I, I've left out a handful of rivalries, which which we've kind of gone over here as as we've discussed. But I'm I'm going to throw seven rivalries at you that that I I, I put on the chopping block um, in my model here, and give me your your one or two that you think has to be in there that you'd you'd miss the most. So I'm gonna rattle them off here. Um, Florida Tennessee was a sacrifice, as well as Florida LSU. And Auburn, Florida. So that's three for Florida I put on the chopping block. I also cut Arkansas, LSU. I cut Kentucky, Tennessee. I cut Auburn, LSU. And then an inter- interdivision uh, matchup that's that's actually got a lot of history to it that I cut was Ole Miss-Vanderbilt. Um, so that's, that's, that's the cuts. Uh, a couple for Tennessee, a few for Florida, a couple for LSU. Um, is, is there one, one or two that jump out to you as... You have you have to make a change and, and keep this going. I think Kentucky, Tennessee really gotta stay alive. I think as far as SEC East rivalries, I think that one's really high on the list. Um and then this is probably my like growing up in Arkansas childhood bias, but I want Arkansas LSU. I want it back. I want it to be to feel a little bit higher stakes. Um I know they still play every year and everything, but I don't know. I think um having that one back in there would be really fun. Um, and having that be a constant, I think is really important. I mean, um, I think that those two States, you know, Arkansas really wants to recruit Louisiana better. Um, I think that would be big for them. So it's probably my Arkansas bias coming in, but I, I want that one in there for sure. You want LSU on there and get, get Missouri off, (laughs) off Arkansas's lineup. You're not buying that, that manufactured, rivalry even though even though they're border states and they've they've created the battle line trophy you put the the boot on a whole different level as trophy than battle line rivalry i guess huh you're you're, you're not buying that battle line trophy but you no. but you like the boot i like the boot the battle line trophy i could go on for days it's like an absurdly heavy trophy so you can't even like hoist it they have to like roll it around on a little cart and they like have a little bar in the middle that they change the color based on who wins which is like fine but it's just it's too big they just made it up they just the battle line nobody knows what that even means i mean it's a civil war thing i guess but it's just you know it's such a an obscure thing and having grown up in arkansas and then gone to missouri you would think maybe i would like it more but i just I just don't have strong pro feelings about that rivalry. I think if you went to any of the 48 states, not being Arkansas or Missouri, and you said during game week to a, to a college football fan, are you excited about the battle line rivalry <laughs> on, on this, this week? I don't think any of them would have any clue what you're talking about. No, they would ask you what what that means. What teams are those? <laughs> but they might know the boot, the battle for the boot, right? They, they, the college football fans have a better chance of, of knowing that. It's so, got some history. 
All right. All right. So your, your preference is I make some adjustments and, and get Kentucky, Tennessee in there and Arkansas, LSU. I'm sure there's models floating around out there with, uh, with those in place. I'm sure fans everywhere listening to this podcast are, are, have decided that I've left out some glaring rivals for, for their teams and will be sure to let us know. Uh, Christina, thanks for, for joining on the podcast this week. Uh, you can find all of her work at swtimes.com. She does a great job covering Arkansas uh, for the USA Today Network. And uh, appreciate you pinch hitting for, for John this week. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And hey, maybe when they decide on the scheduling model, they'll do something completely out of left field and all of this will have been for nothing. (laughs) That's true. But what would we talk about to get through February (laughs) otherwise? All right. Thanks for listening to this edition of SEC Football Unfiltered. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.